Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, a cursed pirate captain seeking to gather the lost pieces of a magic treasure in order to restore my soul and my taste for apples. With me again is my good friend and one of the coaches for Vanguard Tactics, a brilliant pirate captain with a knack for escaping the jaws of death, here to talk about boarding actions in space, he's the Jack Sparrow to my Hector Barbosa, Mr. Michael Costello. Mike, how's it going? Hey, good, thank you. Yes, yes. Um, I actually have been called uh, Captain Jack in the past, because I used to wear a red bandana and have, obviously, long hair, as, as uh, viewers all know of the streams, etc. So this is quite a fitting, um, fitting little intro. Awesome. Uh, so, uh, in the, I've seen you actually wear the bandana on, on stream before, so. Yeah. I've lost my red one, you know, oh. sad times. What we need to do is really get you a good, a nice silk one. And mm. Just start wearing that. Get it VT logo <laughs> branded and you can wear that to events. Yeah. So, everybody will just start to call you Pirate Mike. Can't wait. So, sponsor acknowledgements. Uh, thank you to Siege Studios. Uh, if you need anything commissioned painted, look no further than Siege Studios. You can now take part in their Warrior Workshop uh, level of service, which is the less expensive but still fantastic level of service, or all the way up to Gold and Demon Standard. The Competitive 40K Podcast is proudly supported by The Outpost, your friendly local gaming store with the most helpful and friendliest of staff. After visiting The Outpost, I was taken aback by the whole host of products available in-store and online. With awesome discounts, gaming tables, and a huge range of terrain for different game systems, The Outpost is certainly a great place to hang out and hobby. Check out www.the-outpost.co.uk or go and visit them in-store. VT Announcements, the Competitive 40k Podcast community Facebook page password this month is Bolter. No password, no answering questions, no entrance. Uh, and the Academy is uh, currently in session. And as Steve said in the last episode, we're not sure. He's not quite sure when he's going to reopen them uh, because he's got some other things in the works. So uh, upcoming events. You have a, a tournament coming up soon, right, Mike? Um, so I, I haven't actually, but I know a lot of the Vanguard Tactics crew are going to the Southampton um, Major, which is run by WarhammerTournaments.com. So that's going to be a big event um, and plenty of them like Chris is attending with his guard. Uh, you can actually watch Chris's guard on stream because that was the most recent stream um, we did. So uh, whenever this episode's out, uh, it'll be maybe a week or two back, um, go back and watch that stream. We did guards versus nids in a um, very Starship Troopers. There were so many quotes. There were so <laughs> many. People were getting awesome. sick of it by the end, but I loved it. Yeah. there. Uh, um, the, my, my local game store, uh, Dan Wolf Games, he actually has a mobile infantry flag up on the wall. Nice. It's kind of cool. Oh, I would like to know more. Yes. Would you like to know more? Uh, so if uh, you like all this content, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please like, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, you can find Steven on Instagram at, at the Vanguard Tactics. You can find Mike at, at VT underscore Mike underscore. And you can find me on Instagram at InfantryLawyer40K. Don't forget to go to www.vanguardtactics.com to get more information about the Academy. And don't forget to go to YouTube, uh, as Mike just suggested, and check out all of the stream games uh, and the other content there. Uh, Mike and Steve uh, have also done some additional videos on um, reviewing some of the new books and some of the, uh, like the Arcs of Omen uh, rules and such. Uh, So go check out all of that there. Uh, And today, 
as I mentioned in the intro, we're going to talk about boarding actions, which I know nothing about. I, I watched the the boarding action stream game that you guys did a couple weeks back, and that's about it, other than the little bit you and I have talked about it. So, um, boarding actions is not kill team. Doug. That's the first thing everybody has to understand. It is not kill team. Doug. But you are playing with a 500-point limit? That's right. 500-point limit um, using pretty much all of the rules that you're used to in the game we love, Warhammer 40k. There's no complex rule set like, you know, kill team, it takes a while to get into because it's a, a different system. There's different metrics for how all of the units work and there's alternating activations. So the game doesn't run quite the same way as 40k. Boarding actions does run exactly the same way as 40k. It's just less models and a few thematic rules changes and balance changes as well. All right. And, um, List construction, what are the limits on list construction? Okay, so with your 500 points, you can have uh, 0 to 1 HQ, 0 to 3 troops, and 0 to 3 elites. Okay, that's our basic. Now, you'll notice I said 0 there. You don't actually have to have any of those slots, uh, but obviously you're going to need to have 500 points or something in your list. So you can take any amount of the same troop choice multiple times if you wish but you can only take one of each elite's data sheet in your book. Does that make sense? Okay, so if I was playing Space Marines, I could have one squad of aggressors. That's but right. But I can't, but not two or three. That's right. That's exactly okay. right. Yeah, and you can only have one character as well in your boarding. We call it a boarding patrol, the detachment, essentially. So if you use Battlescribe, any of those apps, the detachment's a boarding patrol. That will help you work that out. Um, the other thing to note as well, so there's a few more restrictions. Uh, any units that have a starting strength of below five, you can't add any more models to that unit. So aggressors, uh, you can't take six aggressors because their starting strength is three. So they can only have three models in the unit. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Terminators, five-man squad, that's it. So because their starting strength is five, you can actually take up to 10. So anything with a starting strength of 5, you can take in 5 or 10. Anything below 5 in starting strength has to stay at its minimum starting strength. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So Centurions, 3. Centurions, Aggressors, 3. Yep. Terminators, 5 to 10. Yes. Which seems strange in the metric of things because obviously Terminators are very elite. Right. You'd expect there to be more aggressors involved in an action than terminators right but that's that's just how the rules are built uh, with okay. the fives and tens and you said only one character so all, total so if i take an apothecary no captain no lieutenant that's right yep your apothecary hmm. is leading this boarding action okay all right yeah. interesting uh it's important to note that there are so there's a free downloadable pdf on the download section on warhammercommunity.com um so definitely if you're looking at boarding actions before you make any rash decisions about detachment rules, anything like that, check that document out because for every single faction, there are additional rules for um, their army traits, etc., but also their force organization. I'll give you a great example. Um, Space Marines, as we've just been talking about, are allowed to take a single Hellblaster unit of five, even though, hmm. as I mentioned, heavy support is not an option in the boarding right. patrol. Uh, and likewise, um, things like Tyranids can take a Ripper Swarm unit, Chaos Space Marines can take a Spawn, and these are normally, you wouldn't be able to take them if you were stuck to this simple, you know, um, 
HQ elites troops idea. Okay, so this is a typical Games Workshop game insofar as there is a very specific and strict core rules that then every single faction breaks in some way. Basically, yes. Got it. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, you, very, it's it's five pages of rules and ninety seven pages of exceptions. Well, the document's actually not that long, but I, I take your point. <laughs> yes. The the document is only, I believe, four pages, um, and it covers pretty much every faction. Um, and I, I get, I think there's one last thing to mention as well on that note is if you do take a unit of more than five, so like ten, um, then uh, there are some exclusions, but it splits into two fives before the game. So if you took ten terminators, it would set them up as two five man terminator squads automatically. Automatically get combat squads, but it's with every single army. So if you take okay. ten howling banshees in one unit, you can split them into two fives, that kind of thing. You take ten hormagons, they're automatically split to fives. So it's funny, they're one of the exceptions. So, um, <laughs> see what I mean? Always exceptions. <laughs> they do make sense. Some of the exceptions. So cultists. Uh, crude carnivores, I'm sure there's more than this, um, gaunts uh, of all varieties, they don't split, they stay as a 10, but you can't add any more than 10 to the unit. Okay. Yeah, so anything that's like a, you know, basically like the chaff kind of stuff um, doesn't split up into squads because I think the idea is that it balances the game so you don't have too many units going around because they're obviously quite okay. cheap, these squads. Yeah. Now, what what's scoring like? Are there secondary missions like in the main game or... Um, no. Uh, so there's basically there's a primary, um, progressive objective and there's an end game objective. So your progressive will be something pretty similar to 40k's primary, holding one objective, two objectives, more objectives, um, at the end of your command phase. Mm -hmm. So that's all very familiar, um, except in boarding actions, it's five points rather than four. Okay. And also, only in specific missions does the second player score at the end of their turn. And I'm sure there's a balance reason for some missions not having it and some missions having it. Um, so definitely check check the mission. And then the end game um, can be anything from how many points of your enemy army did you kill? You get this amount of points. Um, or did you manage to achieve X objective? Did you kill a leader or the character or whatever? Um, and you can get a total of 45 from either, just like in regular 40k. Um, but we found from experience that in boarding actions, actually scores are usually much lower. 100 okay. is, is pretty much impossible. Uh, I, I will say that in the first book, Arcs of Omen Abaddon, the missions are very, very straightforward. They're very one-dimensional. However, once you start getting onto the future books, uh, Angron, um, and we know that Vashtor and other ones are on the way. Uh, the the missions become a bit more interesting um, and have all, all sorts of aspects to them. Yeah, I noticed that when the uh, the Angron book came out, the description of it said that there was additional rules for Marines and Chaos Marines or something else in there. So mm -hmm. they're treating that kind of like a they're doing sort of without doing codexes, they're doing these additional supplement rules. It yeah, seems like okay, yeah. Yep, so um, I'll take you through sort of some of the things that happened in Angron. Um, it's definitely worth picking up. I think if you're going to look at playing boarding actions, you probably want to pick up um, at least from Angron onwards. Abaddon, you can probably get away with not grabbing. You know, if you've already had interest, you've probably grabbed it anyway at, the, at this stage. So in Abaddon, you just get 
six missions and the main rules for boarding actions. In Angron, you get six missions, the main rules, and then you get um, a enhancement and some stratagems for uh, Space Marines and each of their chapters. So each chapter gets um, one stratagem uh, and I believe an enhancement as well. And then the same for Chaos Space Marines. Uh, World Eaters get their own set of six uh, stratagems and an enhancement. Same with Orcs, uh, Astra Militarum, Grey Knights. Uh, and I believe that's it in Angron. Then we can expect something similar with all the other factions in, in the later books. Okay. All right. And wh- what exactly, what's an enhancement? So an enhancement is uh, essentially a relic. In boarding actions, you don't get any warlord traits. You don't get any relics. You don't actually get any of your stratagems. So oh, okay. No, no transhuman. The, no transhuman. No, no mortal wound strats for Casterkin or, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And that's where some of the inherent balance comes in from having this really simplified game system uh, initially, right? So uh, you don't get any water traits, no relics, etc. In each of the books, there is a set of generic enhancements you can take, and you can only take one. So obviously, you've only got one character, all right? Uh, right. And then, uh, as I've said, in Angron, it get a few more for each of those specific factions. And enhancements can vary from interacting with doorways, which is obviously important to talk about, or um, buffing units or buffing the character themselves. Okay. Yeah. And, I, I was, and it, it's good. I was actually, that was my next question was, what about Warlord Trace and Rock? So no Warlord Trace, no relics, but you do get, and the enhancements are only for your, your character, or do they have enhancements for squads too? Um, so your enhancements are just for your character. Um, uh, I believe there are some cases where you can make your warlord a uh, unit sergeant if you don't take a character in your army. So you don't necessarily have to have a character. Obviously, mm. you should definitely take one because it makes sense. Um, but you don't get an enhancement on them if you don't take a character. Okay. Uh, oh, and needless to say, if you are taking a named character, they can't have an enhancement. Okay. All right. Uh, so... What about psychic powers? All you get, you still get the full access of the psychic powers in your codex. Yep, yep. psychic powers. You get everything that you normally have um, access to, and they're very powerful. Psychic powers are incredibly powerful in boarding actions. Um, if you check out our boarding actions battle report between the Night Lords and the Banshees, sorry, the Banshees, Jane Czar and the Eldar, right. <laughs> there are a few Banshees involved. Um, you can see psychic in action because I had I take a um, Terminator Sorcerer, the Night Lords, mm. uh, and he demolish his stuff um it is important to note though in that document i mentioned earlier the download from warhammer community um some psychic powers have had their warp charge t- changed made higher specifically for boarding actions because they're a bit too devastating to be such a low cast if that makes sense yeah i can see especially some of the ones that don't require line of sight even yep. though you're you're wrapped through all these hallways you're because it's such a small it's a smaller playing area you're condensed into Mm-hmm. Almost forced into auto range of all of these psychic powers and T suns in particular could just smash yeah. half your army yeah. before you get to do anything. It's interesting you've mentioned line of sight actually because there are a lot of rules in boarding actions to do with line of sight and and sort of measuring ranges in general. Um, specifically with psychic, if there's a witch fire power, you always require line of sight with it. Oh, um, okay. So even if it's one that normally wouldn't. Um, a, I believe the Tyranid Neuroparasite doesn't require line of sight. Um, it now does in boarding actions because exactly as you say, it would be unbalanced. It would be unplayable, basically. 
right. if you played one of those factions. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so let's talk about line of sight and doorways because, mm-hmm. and well, first off, what's the measurement of the table size you're playing this on? Is it three foot by three foot or four by four? Um, it's two funky sized kill team boards. I'm trying to remember the the measurements, but I'm afraid I can't top of my head pick them okay. up. Um, but in the boarding actions box set, you get two um, of the cardboard foldable. Um, sets of tiles uh, and basically you put them both next to each other on the table um, and that is your basically that's your that's your map and then okay. it's quite important because all of the squares on it um, are I believe two and a half inches so it really helps you work out um, where everything is and then you've got the um, corners of each tile has where the columns for the walls go so you've probably seen the terrain um it's it's a lot of walls it's a lot of columns and there's a lot of doors every mission has a very specific layout um so Mm. if you want to play a mission you're going to have to set up the terrain in that specific layout um and then change it for each mission uh and yeah basically that's that's the terrain setup okay all right yeah i'm trying to figure out um, what the size of the board is, but so you have to have the t- the the two kill team boards, or at least it'll tell you in there yeah. if you got. Yeah, I'm sure in short order f- frontline gaming will start selling mats for boarding actions. But. I suspect several places probably have. Uh, I know there's already plenty of places offering uh, alternative versions to the boarding actions terrain in terms of walls and doors. Yeah, so I suspect you'll see plenty of gaming mats for boarding actions as well. Cool. Um. All right. So then. Um, with the board being some kind of four foot by three foot type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, do, now, do they provide you the boards in the boarding actions terrain box? Yes. Yes, okay. I do. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's good. Uh, yeah. Um, and all of the pieces of terrain are given like a label, like A1, B3, B2, B1. Um, and in the drawings, you can kind of see where the corners meet everything so it's relatively straightforward to set up the train um, for the mission uh, based on what the like number assignments or just even working out by eye uh, from the top down however massive tip either sand the sides down so it fits a bit better because the boarding action train can be a bit stiff or clip off um, the little toggles that go into the squares that sit on top of each column now, once you see the terrain, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, there's little caps. You slide the, the tab right. A into slot B for the corners, and then there's a little mm-hmm. cap that goes on top. Yes, exactly. And there's a little hook that goes into the top, into that tab. If you clip that off, then you can essentially just push the walls into the columns, and they stay together. Oh, okay. It's easier to pull them off apart, and etc. so you can keep changing up your gains, etc. Okay. Now, does, does each mission tell you how to set the walls up? Oh, okay. very, very precisely. Oh, okay. All right. So that sort of resolves also the issue of, you know, is this LGT terrain? Is this GW terrain? Is yeah. this player? But no, it is. It's it's boarding action terrain. It's it's mission A or mission B. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's that's cool. It kind of narrows sort of that much specificity helps eliminate conflict. Um, yeah. All right. So then now let's talk about the the big difference besides walls. Which mm-hmm. obviously all are all obscuring the all block line of sight. Yep. There's no jumping over walls. Exactly. There's no flying. 
No I'm sure there's fire. teleporting though. Oh well, you can't take interceptors. You can't take. So you could a gray nice unit use the um, gate to to teleport units across the board? Yes. Okay, so there is some teleporting through walls. You actually can take interceptors. That's in the exceptions document. Oh, okay. Um, and they've changed uh, some of their ruling basically. So while they're on board, they move six inches, but once per game, they can teleport shunt through a wall. Okay. Um, and I think there's a Necron thing to do with it as well. Anywhere that where there's like thematically, they would be able to teleport. They can do that uh, in some form or other. Okay. All right. Now doorways. Um, opening and closing doors is a big part of the game, right? Yes. Yeah. Huge. Huge. And how do you do? You just walk up and say, "I'm opening the door." Pretty much. Uh, so it's an action. Um, oh, it's an action. Okay. It's an action that you can always do regardless of rules on your data sheet or what you've done previously in the turn. So you can move, do the action, and still shoot? Yes. Or charge, yeah, or exactly whatever. That. Yeah. So the action started at the end of the move unit step for that unit, and it's finished at the end of the movement phase. Okay. All right. So there's not, it's not really going to slow you down where you have to plan ahead, like move this unit, have them do the action. Everybody's stacked up on the door waiting for somebody to complete the action of okay all right yeah 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 all right good so that, that's it's not something that's going to slow you slow the game down or bog exactly. it down so you could get okay. one unit to move up to a doorway open it and then another unit could move through the doorway all right very cool um and then no, um, that's not well, quite on the, right. all the doors open at the end of the movement phase yes so you can't quite open the doors for everybody else you have to wait okay but then you can close the door too yes yeah, you can. So to block line of sight, like you, you move in, occupy yeah. a room, and then shut the door, saying, ha-ha, you're not going to shoot at me. Yeah. And there are special rules for if there is an opponent on the other side of the door. They can either try to push the door closed and stop you opening it, or they can just oh, okay. let you come through. So you, you can have very, very funny moments. Uh, I remember I played a uh, little practice game with uh, a Lictor uh, hunting down some Votan, uh, and they were holding the door shut against this Lictor. Um, and it's basically as you one roll would. off, yeah, as you would. Uh, and it was a roll off on strength. Um, and if you've got more strength than your opponent, you add one to your roll, and then the winner chooses the result. Door. Huh. All right. That's cool. Um, here's a here's an important question because you and I absolutely love this movie. Mm-hmm. Can you in any way, shape, or form like um, weld the door shut um, to stop the aliens from coming through? <laughs> so, not as far as I'm aware. I feel like there's probably scenarios or maybe even narrative or maybe even in match play, there's a uh, there's going to be a stratagem during specific missions where you can do that. Uh, I'm sure it exists somewhere in the world of Warhammer 40k, but as it stands, I don't know. I haven't yeah. seen it. Because um, obviously, you know, I'm, I, I look at boarding actions and all I can think yes. about is aliens. I want to exactly. weld the doors shut. I want to get tarantula cannons and mount them at the end of hallways. Well, you can do that. <gasps> Tease me. Um, Tell me more. Yeah, so I believe in the uh, oh god, what's it called? Shadow Vaults or Gallo Dark? The one with the Kasakin and the Necrons, that kill team set, mm-hmm. also has um, turrets and breaching uh, robots. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm nearly a hundred percent that they're going to come into the game and they'll be able to set up down corridors, that kind of thing. Because yeah. Oh. That's, we need that in our lives. Yes, we do need that in our lives, Mike. Absolutely. Okay, so going through doors, obviously you mentioned lictors. There are certain models that are 
conceptually too large to fit through a door like a crisis mm-hmm. team for Tau. Yes. Um, yep. There's obviously no rules to say, well, sorry, your model's too big, you can't fit through the doorway. Any They somehow squeeze their way through. Yeah, exactly. So the, the rules say that because you can actually take a Baden in boarding actions. Right. And we all know he's on a massive base. Um, right. Okay. So regardless of, of the size of the base, you are allowed to move through the door as long as you can fit on the other side. Right. That's the only exception. So if you want, you can take a Baden and one squad of five um, legionaries yeah. and that's it. Yeah, basically. There's your 500 points. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, okay. So what else do we need to know about, about boarding actions? Um, uh, I don't, so, since I'm not so familiar, I don't know quite else what to ask. That's okay. Yeah. I, I kind of run through um, pretty much everything that's really quite different to, to 40K. Um, so when you have reserves and deployment, so this is a big change, deployment, uh, on each mission, there are entry zones. And you'll have seen in our stream games or our recorded um, content, we use like these see-through blue tiles and red tiles that everybody goes mad for. Um, uh, and they're just plastic see-through colored tiles. But basically, um, the squares on the board, on the boarding action map, some of those are tagged as entry zones. So attacker entry zone, defender entry zone. Uh, and what that means is when you deploy, you can set up one of your boarding squads in that zone. Okay. So it is alternating deployment, a bit like 40k. Um, if you've got, let's say, four entry zones per side, you can only have one unit in each entry zone when you deploy. Okay. And then if you've got a character, they're allowed to deploy alongside one of those units. Yeah. I was going to say, what if you have more than four units? But I guess with 500 well, points, that's it's, a low chance of that happening. Right. It happens. It's an excellent question. You've got to remember also that uh, some squads, if you take 10, they'll split into two fives. Right. Um, so something like uh, Astro Militarum, uh, you could definitely get more. If you decide to be crazy and run tons of crew, um, you can definitely get more uh, boarding squads out of it. So if we've got four entry zones and let's say five um, units plus a character, we know four of those units and a character can set up in the entry zones. The other one is considered to be in strategic reserves for free. Uh, and the only difference between strategic reserves in uh, 40k and boarding actions, I guess a couple actually, uh, one is that it can come in turn one. Okay. And two is that it can uh, it can only come in in an entry zone, one of your entry zones. Can't come in on the edge of the board or anything like that. It has to come in from one of your entry zones. Uh, could you uh, absolutely um, space hulk it and deep strike terminators in mid into the middle of the board? Hell yeah, you can. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, deep strike is still in um, and you absolutely can do that. Any unit that has like a deep strike um, version, uh, unless the exception says they can't. So um, the Tempestus Scions lose their deep strike ability um, for boarding actions. And that's for thematic reasons because they're meant to be dropping out of planes. Out of aircraft, yeah. Exactly. They're fast so, dropping in off of a Valkyrie or something. They're not exactly. teleporting. But anything that thematically makes sense, teleporting, lictors showing up out of nowhere, it, great tool to have in boarding actions and obviously a lot of fun. Um, uh, still abides by the uh, restriction of nine inches and can only come in turn two onwards. So that's also Im- important. All right. Raveners, are they coming out of the goddamn walls? Uh, Raveners, uh, unfortunately, are fast attacks. You can't take them. Oh. Which is a bit bad. sad because it is a bit sad. they should be coming out of the walls. Um, yeah. But yeah, maybe they'll do some. 
they'll add to the list of things you can take because there are certainly units in fast attack and heavy support that you would feel like could easily be on boarding craft. Um, yeah, sanguinary guard without jump packs or assault marines without jump packs. Yeah, um, yeah, I believe you can take that. assault marines without jump packs. There are they've made sense with some of them, right? But yeah, yeah, the ones that because have they done the is there you you rattled off the list of stuff that's already gotten their additional rules. Is Admech one of them? Because I can yes. see Castle and Robots being permitted. So, as in the breaches, the tracked ones? No, no, no. The the, the big stompy robots, the ones that look oh, like no. they're right out of Fallout. No, no, sadly not. Um, I think no. their their rules profile is too strong uh, oh, okay. to be able to use in that in that format. Just because I think they're seven wounds each with a two up save. Something like that. A lot of guns. And yeah, I know they're thing. stupidly hard to kill. Yeah. I assume that's why they haven't got them in there. But you can take the breaches and destroyers um, in there. Those are the tracked guys with the, the servitor guns and stuff. Okay. Yeah. 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 The yeah the cataphrons. Yes. Uh, okay. So we d- deep strikes, yes. Strategic reserves, yes. But you got to mm-hmm. come in through the the little. That's right. The entry designated zones. deployment zones. That's it. Scouts and uh, forward deploying uh, oh. is completely different. Um, so if you've got forward deploy, you can set up wholly, um, what, sorry, you can set up within six inches of an entry zone instead of in it. Okay. But you still count as occupying that entry zone. Okay. That makes sense. You can't put any of the units yeah. in there. Um, and then scout moving only one unit from your army is allowed to scout move. So sorry, if you're playing all crew, just one of your units can, uh, scout move. Right. Um, and they can move up to six inches from an entry zone basically all right yeah uh and obviously no vehicles are allowed no dreadnoughts even though they're an elite's choice uh that's right that's right okay yes yeah um all right uh and then oh when you deep strike do you still have to stay out of nine inches of your opponent you do yes um going back to the keywords note with the vehicles. so there's no um vehicles monsters bikers cavalry um or fly uh, I don't think I've missed any. There are um, no gargoyles either. Allowed, no. Uh, in in um, boarding actions. Uh, some units get a an exception, but they lose the fly keyword. So you can take crisis suits, but they lose fly, and they only okay. move six inches. So they've kind of tried to make it like make sense. Right, because they're in an enclosed environment. There's nothing to jump yeah. over because you, there's a roof. Yeah, Okay. exactly that. Very cool. All right, what else we got to know about this uh, fantastic new version of GW that is um, enticing me more and more as we talk? <laughs> so um, we had keywords. You mentioned something just after the keywords. I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, the nine-inch deep strike. That's the one. Yes, yes. So this is probably the most important rule of boarding actions. Whenever you measure, and I mean whenever, you measure a distance between one model and another model, you have to measure around any of the boarding actions walls or closed hatchways okay any of them so if you're going to try and deny the witch you're going to need to measure around all of the doors that are shut and the walls to check the deny range Uh, likewise with um with the deep strike you have to measure the nine across all the shut doors um, and walls which means you can deep strike on the other side of a wall to an enemy unit, provided that there's at least nine inches of um, walls. Travelable space. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So you could actually have a unit walk up, 
slam the door and then the tel- Terminators teleport down on the other side of it or something. Not quite. But <laughs> oh, yeah, so, so um, this is another, I think, balance decision they've made. Um, so it is impossible to um, set up a unit from Deep Strike and um, end up getting them a charge that's less than nine inches, essentially. Because the open doors step happens, um, the doors open before the reinforcement set, set up. That makes sense? Yeah. So when you measure your nine inches, um, the door will already be open and therefore you can't be closer than the nine inches to the uh, opponent. If, they, if the doors were opening after you set up reinforcements, then you could absolutely teleport, blast open a door and charge like three inches into the enemy. Um, but I assume they felt that was a little too powerful. <laughs> probably, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably a bit much. All right, let's see. Uh, combat and shooting is all the same, though. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so uh, on the pre-game stuff, note command points. Um, so you start with one per side, uh, and then if one boarding patrol is at least 30 points less than the other, they sometimes get to start with an extra command point. Um, and the okay. core stratagems available to everybody are similar to those in the main book, in, in the main game. Um, you've got the command reroll, uh, you have automatically passing morale, and you have uh, the combat interrupt. You don't have any of the others like cut them down um, or, or desperate breakout, any of that stuff. Right. Just got those three core ones. Okay. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, shooting line of sight. You're only. It's it's just going to be model to model, not like oh, this model That's can right. see that that one model, so I can shoot at the entire unit. That's right. That's exactly right. So shooting's um, uh, a fair bit different. Uh, in shooting line of sight, can't be drawn across models. So if um, you're shooting at, uh, let's say um, you've got a unit of Space Marines, uh, there's a unit of um, Necrons down a corridor. Uh, they're Necron Warriors, and then a unit of Lich Guard behind them. You can't shoot the Lich Guard unless you can draw a clear line between your model and the Lich Guard model without crossing one of the Necron Warriors. Okay. So it makes sense. You're in that confined environment. You're not going to be yeah. able to shoot past units. Um, right. And it means that in boarding actions, things like move blocking or um, sacrificial units are really, really strong. Okay. Yeah. Can Scarabs block line of sight to Necron, Necron Warriors? Uh, unfortunately, yes. That's ridiculous. Um, that is but, an essence of balance that I'm not sure they can manage just because it depends how you model your, your units, right? Because right? um, you could have someone on a massive base and it would... Uh, yeah, if they tried to do like an actual head-torso line of sight thing, okay. it could cause... Uh, characters still get their normal command abilities... A call mm-hmm. can put on judgment tokens. A chapter master can give rerolls. All that That's stuff's right. the same. That's okay. right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, should note that opening a door doesn't trigger a judgment token before somebody starts getting mad about that. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Because yeah, it's technically an action, of... but yeah, we don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I open a door. We judge you. I close um, the door. I judge you more. There is another action that is part of the core game um, that that will trigger a judgment token. Um, coincidentally, um, this one and only an objective secured unit can do. And they do it on an objective to make the objective sticky. Mm-hmm. So if, if you move away from the objective, you still count as holding it, even though you've got no one there. Right. Um, so it's a good reason to try and pack some obsec in your boarding patrol. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and morale is all the same, right? 
morale is exactly the same. Um, yes, morale is exactly the same. Charge phase uh, is a little different. So if you charge, you can only charge what you can see, uh, which means if you hide units around corners, you can prevent them being charged, provided you know the movement distance of your opponent, uh, which okay. is big. Um, uh, in addition to that, when you pile in, um, you can only pile in into engagement range. And if you consolidate, you can only consolidate into engagement range. Uh, and it's all done towards the closest visible model rather than the closest model. Yeah, so just imagine if something else is on the other side of a wall, it basically doesn't exist for the purposes of closest target, all that stuff, uh, and, of course, heroic intervention. So if one of my intercessors can mm -hmm. see a Necron warrior through a doorway, mm -hmm. that one intercessor can charge, and then the rest of the squad follows up, but they can't pile into the squad through the doorway? Um, so doorways you can fight across two inches the engagement range is increased a little because the doorways obviously quite got like a, a sort of base to it um, yeah. and anybody within half an inch as per the normal 40k rules can fight um, in that melee but obviously if the, the if you're packed really tightly together you may find only the front three guys will be able to fight anyway okay which again makes sense it's quite narrowly packed you are fighting through a doorway right um, so yeah uh, I did forget one Really critical thing with um, shooting phase, only models you can see die to your shooting. Okay. Which is a massive change for 40k. Um, yes. Yeah. It's familiar to those of us who maybe played 7th edition um, or 6th, one of those two, or heresy. Um, so you can only kill units and you can only allocate wounds to models that can be seen. Okay. So don't put your sergeant in the line of fire. <laughs> Because you'll have right. to allocate wounds to them if the rest of your squad is not visible. Okay, makes sense. All right. Um, is there any rule for like tossing grenades through doors? Uh, sadly not, but you will be excited to know that there are a fair few stratagems when they come for each faction revolving around doors. So, for example, the World Eaters have a stratagem where they can basically soar or barge their way through a door and still charge. The Orcs have their own stratagem as well where they can just basically pile through a door into combat. And um, oh, who is it? The Tyranids, likewise, have a stratagem where they can move and just keep moving through a door uh, so they complete the action immediately as they move through. Uh, and I'm sure there's plenty of factions where blowing up doors as they move through is the, the concept behind their stratagem too. Right. Wow, that sounds cool. Yeah, this is... Uh, I, I am even more interested now in trying to play boarding actions and yeah, getting some I think, terrain and all that. Honestly, I think it's a bit more balanced than 40k. Um, as a game that you can just commit to play 500 points, um, it's probably uh, more enjoyable in some circumstances than 40k. Uh, takes less, obviously, time commitment uh, and every move matters, which is, I think is, 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 is really key. Um, and for those more competitive 40k players, and obviously this is the competitive 40k podcast, um, playing boarding actions I've found does actually help with your skill set in, in real 40k, real 40k, um, in terms of piling in, consolidating all of these moves, move blocking. Some of the things we teach on the academy are actually uh, reinforced really well through boarding actions. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, I just said I got to find a way to scrape together the 
$210 or whatever it is to get the boarding action. Uh, that does appear to be the main downside at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Cause you got, you it's, this isn't a situation where you can stack up a books and soda cans and, you know, mm. uh, you know, things like hard we used to for, for, you know, yeah. uh, poor hammer. Like yeah. a lot of us did back in college or what have you. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, there's probably a fair bit you could do with like even card taped on both sides to a bit of flat card, just using those as your walls. Um, yeah. You know, at the very minimum, uh, and I'm sure there's other sources of, um, you know, from various, you know, if you've got your own machine, etc., you can make walls that are effectively the same as as boarding actions terrain. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, and I like the idea that this is there. The rules are are not just it's 40k, but sort of slightly modified. But also, they've really seemed to have leaned into making sure that it makes sense within the concept of what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 No, that's awesome. Yeah, this will excite you as well. But I am painting a um, guard boarding patrol very specifically um, with the paint scheme of the colonial marines uh, from the aliens uh, series. I would expect nothing less from you, brother. And uh, what's her name? Uh, Sergeant Ripper Jackson will be my Vasquez. uh, That's awesome. For those who know who that is. Uh, That is outstanding. I love it. Yeah. I'd love to find a version of the, um, the yellow crane walker and maybe run Ogryn an Ogryn bodyguard or something. Yeah. But have it as like uh Ripley. Yeah, some uh, a, a marine in the uh yeah. in the um power lifter. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That would be awesome. So okay, so I got a question. Is speaking of you mentioned Vashtor, um is he gonna be allowed in boarding actions? Because he's coming out in a boarding actions book. So I don't believe so. Um much like uh Angron and it isn't in, in the game, but we do have an Angron um, book. Uh, I mean, I, right. I could be wrong, but I believe because he's a monster, he won't be allowed in there. Um, yeah, that makes sense. The only exception to the monsters being in there is actually um, uh, Gilliman. They specifically said that, you know, a Primarch is allowed in there because it's obviously Gilliman's a monster for some reason, not infantry, uh, but he is allowed in boarding actions. Right. And, and especially when you look at him compared to the other Primarchs, I think we can dial back the the yeah. monster term? Yeah. He would yeah, be the smallest so. monster, I think, in the game. It probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Uh, anything else we need to talk about? I think we've, we've pretty much covered boarding actions. Pretty much all covered, yeah. Um, just trying to think, is there anything else? don't think so. Are there any specific factions that you're looking forward to running in boarding actions you think you would want to try out? Yeah, well, obviously I want to um, stick my Votan in there. But I also like the idea of I'm wondering how effective the Tau would be with, um, you know, a, a couple of squads of um, the fire warrior uh, breachers, because mm. you know the the shotguns are are you know in the fluff they are designed that is what they are intended for is you know yes. close Breaching. quarters battle, yes. yeah. So yeah. um, kind of dig the idea of doing that, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that worked great. Um, obviously, uh, with breaches, they do split into two fives, so you can have all of these little breaching squads going around, and their shotguns yeah. are always going to be in like, you know, the good range. Um, You're right. Yeah, and you can have uh, you can actually have crew hounds as well in your boarding patrol, even though they're fast attack choice. Um, okay. But they can't open doors. Sadly, they're not that smart. Well, right. Yeah. 
my Rottweiler can almost open a doorknob, but you know, <laughs> um, but not the crude hounds, but that's okay. Uh, oh, uh, sub-faction abilities, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, White Scar's advance and charge, or, mm-hmm. you know, all of those are, are in effect, yeah. right? Everything's in effect, so your faction rules, um, your super doctrine rules are still in effect, so the extra damage that White Scar's get in the assault doctrine uh, is in effect. Um, yeah, all of that good stuff. You know, your... Oh, um, I think there's... Yeah, so some of the exceptions do change a few of them that are maybe more powerful. Um, so the all obsec Necron dynasty um, is changed in order that um, you just count it as an extra model on objectives rather than just being obsec, because obviously okay. there's not a huge amount of obsec sense. in boarding patrols. Yeah. So there's a few balance bits, um, so definitely check that out. But yeah, all in all, you get your army rules, um, you get your um, other bits like marker lights still work the same way. Um, all that good stuff. F- uh, fate dice, you get a few less dice, um, but they work exactly the same way. Uh, yeah, so you get all that good stuff. Okay, cool. Um, and now, obviously, you said all the rules are in the Arcs of Omen expansion books, the Angron and Bashtor. And- mm-hmm. Now, the main rules are are in all of the books, not yeah, just so the first one. Exactly, yeah. The main rules are repeated in, in all of the books. The download is free from the Warhammer community site. And so what we really need is uh, one of the books um, the download, obviously your army, uh, and then some form of terrain uh, to represent the boarding action. Okay. All right, cool. Dude, thank you for uh, filling me in and all this kind of stuff. Um, oh, and, good. and I think uh, hopefully the listeners appreciate all of this. Uh, it's a little bit of a change of pace, but, um, you know, obviously any kind of 40K is good 40K for us and, and you know, options to play, especially when it's a smaller mm-hmm. game that you can sit down and knock out, you know, yeah. in an hour or two yeah. versus you know, trying to rush through a competitive game in, in 2.45 or even exactly. a practice game in three and a half hours. You know, I know that I can't get my wife to stay awake that late at night for to finish the entire <laughs> game. We, one of our practice games usually takes a week because <laughs> 9 p.m. hits and she's ready to go to bed. So, yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, we haven't done this in a while. So I thought uh, since we got a little extra time here, we'd co- answer a couple of rules lawyer questions from the uh, Facebook page, the Competitive mm-hmm. 40K Podcast Community Facebook page. Um, Mike, the first one we, we got is a question from, and some of these are questions going back away. So my apologies, uh, guys, for taking us a while to get here. But uh, Andrew Clark asked um, for the leagues of Votan Relic, the Murmuring Stave, and the Lord Grimnir. Uh, the Murmuring Stave allows for casting a power in addition to a psychic action. Lord Grimnir gives one additional cast. Do these stack to allow a psychic action and two casts? I'd say no. Thoughts? I, I agree. Uh, and th- there's a few different instances as well uh, of this. If it says they can cast uh, an action in addition to one psychic power, that means you can only ever cast one psychic power if you do an action. Yeah. Um, and the converse of this is actually a Zinch Demon Prince for Chaos Space Marines. Um, they can only normally cast one. But if you give them um, the stratagem, it allows them to cast an action in addition to one power. So you can actually cast an action and a power, even though normally you can only cast one power. So um, it's all in that wording. Yeah. So, uh, Andrew, no, you can't. And let's see. The um, Jamie Waite asked, the auto-recite stratagem commanding oratory for Space Marine chaplains uh, lets you recite one litany at the start of any phase, as long as that chaplain has not recited that turn. But if you use this strat at the start of the command phase on a master chaplain, could you recite your second litany as normal? I'm going to save you some time here, Jamie. No, 
read the first sentence of the strat. It says, use this strategy at the start of any of your phases other than your command phase. So that's just a no. And then um, uh, Blake Hockey asked, uh, the wire weave net for Eldaria Rangers. This one you're going to have to answer because I don't know squat about this one there, Mike. Uh, the wire weave net for Eldaria Rangers subtracts two from an opponent's charge distance. Will this stack with difficult terrain? Um, so uh, in any case like this, where there's a, a modifier to a charge, it will always stack unless it says this is not cumulative with other modifiers. Um, so a good example is um, the Tau ones, which I'm sure you are familiar with. Um, yes. They have that. That well, It was recently added in FAQ, wasn't it? Um, but they have yeah. that. Um, it's not cumulative. Uh, I've got the wire weave net rules here, um, and it doesn't say anything here about it not being cumulative. Uh, and likewise, the difficult ground um, rules also don't say anything about them not being cumulative. So, yeah, that's a nasty minus four to charge uh, that you could be hit with on a charge that unit. Yeah. So double check, uh, Blake, the FAQs, but the, the default answer is uh, yes, you can. Yeah. But for some reason, the Tau gets screwed out of that one. Uh, because the rules, the, the FAQ specifically says that the photon grenades and the repulsor impact field uh, stratagems do not stack with the uh, repulsor drone or difficult terrain. So yes. um, you could have theoretically put a minus six charge, minus six inch <laughs> charge on on somebody, which I really wanted to do just once, and it got FAQ'd out real early. So anyway, and then uh, lastly, one last question from uh, Dimitri Skinitis. Skinitis? Dude, I'm sorry, I butchered your name. Uh, he said, uh, one for the guard players out there, so obviously it's great for you to answer this one, Mike. Mm -hmm. He says, the new Arcs of Omen secondary objectives have a revised version of inflexible command. Uh, mm -hmm. In Nephilim, the secondary was FAQ'd to only count units on the battlefield, so that units in reserve and transports do not deny you scoring the points. Arcs of Omen version has not been written to include the wording of the FAQ, so can a guard player legitimately apply the Nephilim FAQ to the Arcs of Omen version? Uh, on this, the basis of this is how it's intended to play, or do we wait for GW to make uh, to reprint the same FAQ? Okay, interesting. So I'd have to look at the very specific wording, but I would assume that anything that's not on the board or is in a transport, I mean, if it's in a transport, it's probably within order range anyway, because it'll have a Vox or something. But if it's off the board, then it, you know it wouldn't be considered for anything, I don't think, at all. Um, yeah. So I, I would just play this as um, it's intended. Uh, I don't think you could really argue with many TOs. Uh, you know, bring it up, RCTO, sure. But I don't think any of them are going to go on the side of um, you're not on the battlefield, therefore you're not within officer range, therefore you don't score points because that's silly. Yeah, generally speaking, when you're not in, if you're in a transport or in reserves, you are not considered to be not on the board. Mm -hmm. So... Um, uh, same reason that uh, troops embarked on an open top transport can't fire Overwatch because they're not technically on the board. Mm -hmm. Now the there is the the side note here, and and Dimitri mentions this is that the I know the IG book says that when an officer unit is embarked in a transport, the transport gains the officer keyword. Mm -hmm. um, so does that then help with the Voxcaster range? Um, so yeah, basically if you if you if your transport's got the officer keyword. Then from flexible command, you can draw uh, the aura to that that officer, basically. Okay. Yeah. All right. Basically, but you can't use the vox part of the 
it's it's a it's a little complex, but basically, if you've got a command squad, they have a Vox guy in it, and for the secondary, if you're within twenty four inches with a Vox unit, to a officer with a Vox, you count as being in officer range within six, basically, for the secondary. Uh, if your command squad's in the vehicle, um, you're not within range of the Vox guy because he's not on the table. You're in range of the vehicle, which has the officer keyword, right? Um, right. But the, the vehicle doesn't have a Vox, so you still need to be within six of the vehicle to benefit for that secondary. Yeah. Hopefully that okay. makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. All right, cool. Uh, all right, and with that, uh, let's turn it over to James for another uh, Battle Ready segment. All right, James, welcome back to uh, the podcast for another uh, Battle Ready segment. We got a, a, a good one. I, I Both uh, Steve and I had, um, had wanted to ask you about this. Um, painting glass. Yeah. And things like canopies or terrain windows. What's the best way to paint glass so that it looks like glass? And then alternatively, what's the best way to paint it so that you don't have to see what's on the other side of it in case you don't want to, you know, paint the driver or the pilot or whatever? Yeah, no, of course. Um, so glass is a funny one because obviously that's that's be completely all cards on table. Glass is completely transparent. So and it doesn't really have a tone or color unless it is a tinted colored glass. Like obviously back in the day when I was younger, you used to have like the sun strip on a car, which would be a bit of transitional color at the top of the wind windscreen or windshield on a car. Um, nowadays, obviously all windscreens are completely clear and they don't have that sun strip at the top. Um, the, the 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 thing is, is like you you kind of have to emulate transparency on the thing. So if you are going to paint them and you don't want them to just be plastic, the the best thing to do is to literally do like really really sort of uh sort of blue really really light light blue tones and sort of like almost adding whites and things into your blue into real subtle blues to uh to just add that kind of like sheen of transparency that it should have if you follow me and i'd always if you can if you are competent and proficient with blending of colors i'd always try and blend so that like maybe for example the, the the top left corner is brighter than the bottom right corner if that makes sense so it kind of looks like the light is transitioning down the the, the pane of glass if you follow me um, oh yeah so that that that's kind of like how to emulate glass um again it, it is transparent even like plastic bottles and things like that they are completely transparent they have maybe a tint of blue or a tint of green or a tint of a color um but they should be quite a bright color that, that kind of makes them look like they're transparent. You're, you're obviously, if you're painting it, you're not going to be able to see through it, like the plastic canopies that we get from Games Workshop and any other manufacturer. Um, on the other side of that, if you're doing what you're saying, like, for example, if you don't want to paint the the, the, the pilot or driver or whatever, and like on elder vehicles, you can do really cool like transitional color. So it's like an energy field on the, on the, on the glass or something like that. Uh, that always looks really good. Um, but I, I, as I said, like you're trying to emulate something that is transparent when when you're not making it not transparent. So the best thing to do is just stick to lighter colors to make them look like they have like a bit of a sheen or reflection that lights hitting it because they'll as they're flat, a flat surface will always reflect light quite quite vividly. Um, so and, and that kind of adds that glare that means you can't see through the window or something like that. So that's that's what I'd always try and do is just super bright color. Um, with a tint of a hue and then just do a transition down that down each each pane on it going from a lighter to a darker or a darker to a light whichever way around you prefer and would you would you be would you prefer to do that with an airbrush or try to do it with a hairy brush uh there's there's advantages and disadvantages to doing it both ways airbrush is quicker you're going to spray everything because it's obviously other thing you then have to paint the framework with a brush obviously whereas if you just paint the framework and then paint each each pane of glass individually and do a blend on it with a brush then then obviously it takes a lot longer um, it's way more accurate 
um, but the airbrush can do it pretty quick and it, it's not as refined or as, as natural looking because it ha- each blend hasn't been done by hand it's been done quite methodically and calculated with the airbrush one's for speed one's for quality uh, and I, I it, just choose the, the avenue that, that suits what you're trying to do with the project I would say awesome uh, thanks James appreciate it uh, I am definitely going to be using uh, I'm going to think I'm going to try the airbrush technique first and then go to the Harry brush technique or whatever because i got a couple of sagittars i got to paint for my votan so yeah definitely. Uh, i appreciate it no worries all right uh ladies and gentlemen if you have any questions for james um uh drop them into the community uh facebook page and we will get those questions answered in a future battle ready segment the competitive 40k podcast is supported by colorforge i found colorforge 18 months ago and i was blown away by the quality of the product I've always had an incredible finish, not too thick, not too chalky, and I've always had the perfect coverage in all kinds of weather conditions. The cans are around 25% larger and cheaper than most other brands on the market. All of the colors are matched to Citadel base color, so it makes that transition from rattle can to paints absolutely seamless. Check out www.thecolorforge.com to pick up your sprays today, along with a whole host of other awesome hobby products. All right, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much again for giving us your time and your attention. Uh, next week, I think we're going to talk about uh, hobby drain or hobby fatigue and what you can do t- when you need a break from your favorite grimdark hobby. Um, or we might talk about something else. We're going to see Mike. Uh, Steve's on vacation this week. He may come back with some grand plan that he's been uh, concocting while he's hanging out in South Africa. So we shall see. Uh, until then, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Colmel from Michael Costello saying, the only rules that really matter are these. What a man can do and what a man can't do. For instance, you can accept that your father was a pirate and a good man, or you can't. But pirate is in your blood, boy, so you'll have to square with that someday. Me, for example, I can let you drown, but I can't bring the ship into Tortuga all by me onesies. Savvy? So can you sail under the command of a pirate, or can you not? I just felt like doing my Jack Sparrow, my really crappy Jack Sparrow impression for everybody. Not bad, not bad. Uh, my favorite one is uh, that may be the best pirate I've ever seen. There's so many great quotes in that movie. All right, ladies and gentlemen, have a great week.